In sports, they say numbers never lie, but odds are they do. Sam Steinmeier, Brady Archer, and host Andrew Botwinick are about to go against the grain this week as we make our day-to-day picks. All views and opinions expressed in today's show do not reflect KZLX, KNWT, or Northwest Missouri State University. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Day-to-Day Picks. Andrew Botwinick, Sam Steinmeier, as well as Jacob Blair now back with us. And now we have Derek Campbell the first appearance for Derek Campbell. So half the panel is is old crew, half the panel is is new crew. Derek, congratulations! Thanks for joining us today. Oh yeah, thank you. Looking to have some fun doing this right now. So, I mean, so. it, it kind of goes along the lines with your show, though. I mean, it, it's day to day picks, also day to day panelists. You, you never know who's going to show up. I was joking with with Derek earlier. We have a segment where it's who's that player, and I was. He was trying to get the answer out of me beforehand, and I said, if I give you the answer and you're on next week, then it seems like everybody who wins is just going to be on the show the week after. We'll go Before we jump into the NFL, we're going to go over our standings real quick. Everybody in our panel went 9-6, and six, um, some different calls back and forth. I was the only one that picked the Vikings to lose. Um, I sit at 51-27 and 27 overall. Brady, two games behind me at 49 and 29 and then sam rounding out the rear at 48 and 30 we'll go now first thursday night game tonight giants at patriots initially when it opened the giants were favored at the beginning of the season and then new england took over and now new england is a 16 and a half point favorite who would have given the giants a favorite in this game at the beginning of the season that's why i was trying to figure it out had no idea i just thought it was interesting that the giants were favored at some point true that that's I hope someone grabbed that early because wow uh, it's it's up to a seventeen point favorite now, as it should so. be yeah as it should be. be up to twenty maybe no Saquon for the Giants so, so well it's not just Saquon it's Saquon's out Evan Ingram's out Sterling Shepard's out they basically have Daniel Jones throwing to the ball boy over at left slot I still think Daniel Jones is, is on his way to to fighting for offensive rookie of the year. Uh, this game's not going to help that cause. <laughs> this is going to be uh, continue the uh, stop that we've had this weird trend where normally Thursday night football is terrible, Monday night football is really good. This year, Monday night football has been not that interesting to watch. I think I watched uh, like the least amount of Monday night football I've watched in a long time this, this past game. Thursday night has been really good. That changes this week. This game will be over in a quarter. Patriots will cover that spread. It's a I mean, Daniel Jones, have fun, because the Patriots' defense is one of the best in the league. Your offense, you don't have your playmakers. Yeah, Could He Daniel is Jones, he is the playmaker is the at this playmaker. point now. They yeah. don't have anybody else that's playing in this game. Also, it, Wayne Goleman, I think he, I think he got injured. He's out, up, too. He's out, yeah. So the third-string running back is going to whoever that is. <laughs> they, well, they just brought someone up from the practice squad today, and since, they dropped Alex Tanney. Since every – Patriots backup in the last like eight years gets traded somewhere. Who is the Patriots backup? Because I'm pretty sure we'll see him tonight. I imagine it's still Brian Hoyer. I know he was the backup last year, so we'll see if he if he is. I think he still is right now. No, he's playing for the Colts now. So both Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer probably like, were traded. Yeah, some for some reason the Patriots backups don't stay around very long. That's because Tom Brady is beating time itself. Oh, yeah. But he's staying alive somehow. I don't know how he does it. It's Jared Stidham and Cody Kessler, in case you were curious. We'll, we'll see both of them tonight. That That is my take. 
We will we will see. Off the rockers tomorrow. I hope you know that. <laughs> when, I don't think that's much of a bold statement. I pa- mean, okay. if the Patriots go up 30 going into the fourth quarter, I think we see him tonight. I don't think so because the Patriots never really take out Tom Brady. Thursday night, short week. Tom Brady, I think he said he doesn't – you don't recover. Regardless if you beat time, you're still old. You, you need more time to recover. He doesn't have that full recovery time. I don't know. That TB12 diet is something else. Tom Brady's going to yawn, and they're up 14 points. Belichick's <laughs> taking him out at halftime if he really wants to. I mean, if he wanted to, he could. With the, with the defense and the way the Giants are going to score probably three points tonight, he could because they wouldn't need to score anymore after halftime. I just thought of my off-the-rocker for tomorrow, so I'm going to – actually, no, it doesn't make sense because the game's already going to be played. Uh, so give it now. The Giants are going to score more points for the Patriots than for themselves tonight. That's not crazy, though. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, that's why that's I was not. like, I was like, well, I guess it's not that. That's not that bad. And, like, it, it's possible. It certainly is possible. I mean, they probably will. So we've kind of went around now. Everybody's in agreement. We're picking the Giants in this one. I, th- I don't the, think that the there's – The Giants? <laughs> about to say i was just testing you to make sure you're paying attention everybody's picking the patriots on this panel we'll go sunday noon start off with the panthers at the buccaneers panthers trying to get revenge this time without cam newton it's going to be kyle allen getting the start again well they've done very well without cam newton so far i mean kyle allen hasn't really had to do much all he has to do is take the snap and hand it off to christian mccaffrey who uh has just been electric really uh this entire year probably a dark horse mvp candidate i mean that's not really a running back type award anymore but if anyone is gonna fight for it out of that position it's christian mccaffrey kyle allen simplified the panthers offense with cam newton i think you try to get a little bit too fancy with getting him carries mccaffrey touches it's weird it's backwards to say this game if allen was if Cam Newton was to come back, I'd pick the Buccaneers. With Allen playing, I'm going to pick the Panthers. That is backwards saying, like, if the starting quarterback comes back, they're going to lose. But that's where I'm at with this because Cam Newton's not played well when he's been in the game for a couple years now. He has some, some spurts here there, but he's not what Cam Newton was years ago. And it, it just with Kyle Allen, like I said, it simplifies the offense. And for the Panthers, that seems to be working. And I hate to use this analogy, but it's kind of the same way that, that everybody says, oh, well, we know what Cam Newton's going to do. We've seen Cam Newton do it for years now. His shoulders hurt. He can't throw down the field that far. He's a scrambling quarterback. That's what he does. We don't have film on Kyle Allen. We don't know what his tendencies are. So he's still early, and I hate to use that argument because it's so it's so invalid. You can watch people in the first half and pick up tendencies if you really wanted to. But Kyle Allen, he brings a different aspect to it. Christian McCaffrey had 19 touchdowns which isn't unfamiliar to him. He goes 176 yards, gets almost a first down every time he touches the ball, rushing, two touchdowns, receiving his 61 yards off six catches, another touchdown there. He's putting up, like like Sam said, MVP numbers. That's exactly what it should be. Christian McCaffrey is getting the bulk of the touches. Kyle Allen's just doing stuff when he needs to. 17 of 30 is not impressive, but 181 yards in the 34-27 win is. That's exactly what you would want. And that's, I'm kind of the same way with Jacob. If it was Cam Newton, I don't think I would pick them. But since it's Kyle Allen, I hate to say it, Christian McCaffrey is going to find a different way to get more involved than he was last time they played. I think uh, the Bucks still have a chance, though, because Jameis Winston's not making as many mistakes as he has in the past. And, like, he's putting up some pretty good numbers, too, I'm pretty sure. Like, he's thrown for a lot of good yardage to Mike Evans, Godwin, I'm pretty sure. Like, even last week, like, they put up some pretty good numbers. And I feel like 
since the Pampers are kind of just relying on McCarthy, then Jameis Winston has Godwin and Mike Evans to throw the ball to, and I feel like they can make a run for this win, though. That's the big thing, too, is that when Jameis Winston has found Chris Godwin and they've both been able to connect, they're in these games a lot more. You look even last week against New Orleans, they lost that game. Jameis Winston only 204 yards passing, 125 and seven catches were to Chris Godwin. He was getting the bulk of the carries, a bulk of the catches. He had two touchdowns, seven catches out of Jameis Winston's 15 total completions. So half of them are going to Chris Godwin. You shut Chris Godwin down. You stop the Buccaneers. It does, I'm not a defensive coordinator, but that's what it looks like to me. And also in that game, none of the receptions were to Mike Evans. Mike Evans was – obviously the Saints came in game plan. We're going to shut down Mike Evans first. And then if Chris Godwin goes off, well, I mean, that's fine. But uh, Mike Evans, obviously, number one wide receiver on that team. But Chris Godwin is good. I think this Panthers defense has the tools to stop both of them. And – I don't think the Buccaneers' defense has the tools to stop and run CMC. So I'm picking the Panthers on this one. It seems like Sam is also picking the Panthers. What do we got down there? Panthers. Panthers? I'm going to go Bucks. You're going Bucks. Okay. I'm going to go Bucks. Brady is going Panthers in this one as well. We'll go now to the, the greatest game of the week, arguably the best game of the season, the 0-5 Redskins versus the 0-4 Dolphins. Washington is still favored somehow in this game, uh, three and a half. I would imagine this game's probably going to be blacked out on every single network. Uh, we'll get, we'll go right into it, I guess. It seems like uh, Gruden is not the coach for the Redskins. That's one of the big headlines coming out of this week. So no, we have an interim coach, obviously, for the Redskins, but no head coach officially yet. And then the Dolphins, still no quarterback. I know Rosen's their guy, but they've been back and forth with Fitzpatrick and Rosen. I know Rosen's probably going to be the starter moving on but some interesting controversies on both sides. I think both these teams are going to try to lose this game. <laughs> like, um, uh, I was honestly, like, while you were introducing this game, I was like, should I pick Ty? Because they might just both try to lose. Uh, but I think the Redskins have the better team. They have the better quarterback. Um, you know, Case Keenum hasn't looked great this year. Not at all. Uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins... I mean, he's he never really got in the flow against the Eagles. I mean, he's only been out there one game, and they also threw out Colt McCoy there for some reason. Um, I don't know which one's going to come out. Probably Case Keenum. I think they've announced Case Keenum as the starter for this game. Okay, but no matter what quarterback comes out there, I think the Redskins, even though they don't want to, find a way to win. This is... I would have wanted to have been in the Fox production meeting when they were giving assignments on to who was calling what game and the, uh, the, the reaction when whoever's calling this game, we won't know because I won't watch it. Uh, like, it, it, this, is, this might be – like, it's going to be a close game. That's, that's the sad thing about it. It's going to be a close game. Some team's going to have to – well, obviously there's ties, but, but a team's going to win the game. I think I think one team you've got enough players that that they're still NFL players. They still are competitive. This is an opportunity if you're either team to go. Hey, let's not go winless. This is a team we can beat. And uh, for for me, you look at the the home field advantage, and this is backwards. Apparently, that's the theme of today's show. Is the stands are going to be so empty that it's going to mess with Washington. 
and it's optics. Because when you are in an empty stadium or anything of, of size that becomes empty, it becomes a weird environment. Last like week, the, uh, the Orioles White Sox when they had no fans <laughs> in the stands. It's weird. And, and I, I go back to, and for a personal example of that, I've gone back to when I was young playing basketball in Municipal Auditorium. My basketball team had a connection to an NAIA school, and NAIA wanted us to come in and test all of their equipment before the tournament. So as this little fifth-grade basketball team, we were able to come in, play on the court at Municipal Stadium. The only people in the arena were the people at the scorer's table. After eight minutes of play, the score was still 0-0, and no one had hit the rim yet. <laughs> Because we could not figure out the optics. It, it, because there were no stands in the back. It was just space. And, and with no stands in, in the stadium, Miami played at home last week. They're used to that. Washington's not. I know that's a weird analysis, but I truly think that could play effect in this game and, and be a detriment to Washington. So I have two questions about earlier. Nothing, nothing that you just said there. I think that's, that's honestly part of one of the X factors of this game. I was going to say something about that too. It's the but lack of fans and part, part of it, I'm going to go back to when you were in, talking about Fox and how, who's going to call this game. Do you think when they were in the war room going over the assignments, they, someone said Redskins at Dolphins and everybody immediately said nose goes and went like, and just the last <laughs> person, just I, Joe Buck's there, not paying attention. They're like, ah, it's you. There's part of me. There's a weird part of me that kind of wishes this was a 325 game and it was America's game of the week so we could watch this abysmal display of football. <laughs> the other question I have too is that I think it's going to be close too. If there's a game like you're looking at some of these games, how they might be Bengals at Ravens, do you think that at some point they're going to say, we're going to switch it to a more competitive game? And they're, obviously it's not the same network, but like they if, they, the <laughs> if so they switch the game to so, something so we're like be, this. We're going to be sitting in the fourth quarter, four minutes to go. The Dolphins are driving. It's 9-9. Nine to nine because it's going to be some weird score like that. You're not going to have a normal 17-14 game. It might be 11-9. There's going to be two safeties. <laughs> Things I was going to say 5-3, yeah. <laughs> Things are going to get weird. They're going to be yeah, – they will at some point go, should we switch games or whoever has this game in their network, should we switch games and go somewhere else because no one wants to watch this except because it's so bad we all do. No, I 100% agree. I I would probably give the edge to the Redskins just because I feel like I can trust Case Keenum more than anybody on the Dolphins. But then again, it's the Redskins. The big thing for me is that you have Father Time and Adrian Peterson in the backfield. Adrian Peterson's not going to go in and want to lose this game. He knows that this this is this is essentially his last his this is his farewell tour in the NFL. He's only has like a year or two left in him, I would imagine. And I don't think he wants to be on the, the record books as the third 0-16 team. Oh, yeah, I can see him definitely pumping up the Redskins just to go out there and get this dub for uh, them. I don't, I don't know who would really pump up the Dolphins for this win, but since, like, Adrian AP is, like, that experienced veteran and, like you said, it's his farewell tour, I don't see him wanting to go, hey, I don't want to finish 0-16 this year. I want at least one win or two. And another thing is Haskins, too. Haskins wasn't announced as starter. It's Case Keenum. If it was Haskins, I would probably pick the Dolphins because he did not look good last week. And I think – I'm not saying Case Keenum is a much safer option because he's not, but Case Keenum's been in the league a lot longer than Haskins has. Anyway, Redskins – Dolphins. I'm going Dolphins. Dolphins. You're going Dolphins on this one? I've got, I've got the backwards home field advantage <laughs> in favor of the Dolphins. So the day-to-day -day picks home field advantage. <laughs> <laughs>
Redskins. Redskins. I'm going Redskins. Redskins. Redskins across the board aside from Jacob. Brady is also going Redskins. Eagles at Vikings. Vikings opened up as a three-point favorite. We have this one, and then we'll get into the Texans Chiefs. And I thought about flipping that. I I have the Eagles. The Eagles have played good, and Carson Wentz, uh, you know, he's struggled a little bit, struggled in earlier in the year against the Redskins, and also he's struggled against the Falcons, but um, he's kind of pulled that back and gotten better. And, you know, I thought about flipping it to Minnesota, but then I remembered who they had at their quarterback. And Kirk Cousins, he did go to uh, last week, but that wasn't against a very good team. I don't think that, even though they're at home, uh, I don't think that Kirk Cousins can get the ball to Adam Thielen against a good defense like Philadelphia. This this is an interesting game because you're at home with the, you're at home with the Vikings. That that's going to allow so, some opportunities there as well to to have that home field advantage. Minnesota's a great place to play, but as Sam said, the the defensive or for Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, he's not going to be able to deal with this Philadelphia defense because where they are good is when the run is working. Eagles are the number one rush defense in the league. You're not going to – Dalvin Cook's not going to have a great game. You're going to have to be dependent on the pass game. When that's the case, Kirk Cousins doesn't get the job done. If Kirk Cousins can't get the job done, Carson Wentz is going to. Carson Wentz is the better quarterback. I think this is one of those games where the quarterback matchup – really plays into who wins the game. Carson Wentz is better. Even if the the Vikings defense, they're pretty good too, only 88.2 rush yards per game. They're, they're pretty good on the passing side as well at 204. But Carson Wentz is the better playmaker edge to the Eagles. And, and I was just furiously typing over here because I was trying to look up the same thing that Jacob apparently already had, uh, that Philadelphia is the number one rush defense. When the Vikings rushed the ball the way they rushed last week, Against the Giants, Dalvin Cook, 132 yards. Kirk Cousins seems to play a lot better because it takes a lot of pressure off of him being the sole offensive playmaker on this team. You look at everything that happened with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, there's a lot of controversy still with this team, and this is the first time they're going to be back home after all of it happened against the number one rushing defense in the NFL. The Vikings could have some trouble if Dalvin Cook can't get started early because then it comes down to Kirk Cousins, and as Jacob said, Kirk Cousins has not been consistent at quarterback. Carson Wentz, on the other hand, has. The the Eagles are going to score a lot of points. They're going to score quick. And if they get on the board quick and put them out early on, Minnesota's going to be struggling to find something on offense, and it's not going to be coming from Dalvin Cook. Oh, yeah. I feel like the, the Eagles have this edge, too, just because their offense, I feel like, is definitely more explosive than the Vikings because the Vikings just rely too much on their run game. And, I don't think you can definitely you can't do that against this Eagles team. So I'm picking the Eagles. Sam picking the Eagles. Jacob and Derek picking the Eagles as well. Brady's picking the Vikings in this one. This is going to be an interesting one. I assume he's going with the old Jacob Blair pick them because they're at home tactic. Although interesting though because Jacob is here with us, not picking the home team. So I would like to hear why Brady thinks that one. We'll go to the last docket of the noon games: Texans at Chiefs. And this is when I assume Jacob and I are probably going to have the majority of the floor. Sam probably going to wait to chime in until his Cowboys come up later <laughs> on. But Chiefs opened up eight and a half point favor. Not sure if that has changed four too much. Half. Is it four and a half now? I was going to say after the Colts, I'm sure it got cut down a little bit. 
this Chiefs team, yes, it's based on injuries, but they have more problems right now than Patrick Mahomes can fix. Because, it, and and go back to the Colts game. I think that's the one bad thing about having Thursday Friday shows is you can't have you know overreaction on Monday. But the 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 Chiefs and Colts game, a lot of you go to social media, all those places. It was the Chiefs defense was terrible. Chiefs defense did the job we asked them to do as Chiefs fans. Stop teams from scoring points. They did that. The Colts scored 19 points. And, and and for me, and I've held on to this and haven't been able to say it, so I know it's going back, but I think it's important, is there was a lot of time of possession arguments. 37-15 for the Colts, 22-45 for the Chiefs. I'm going to take you back to like third grade language arts and English class where you learned when reading books, there's this thing called context. You use context clues to figure things out on your tests. I think we can all remember the, the you know terribleness of those, but context is important. Without context, time of possession is an irrelevant stat. You put the context into the TOP argument. Both teams had 10 drives. Both teams had the same opportunity to score points. What was the difference? The Chiefs weren't able to move the ball down the field. The Colts, they were able to get those yards. The Chiefs didn't score points. They had an equal amount of opportunity to do so. The Chiefs are not going to beat teams in time of possession. Hardly ever because Patrick Mahomes moves. When when the offense is rolling, they score quick. And I'm going to break this down, make this a really simple argument in terms of time of possession and why it's irrelevant. We're going to go one possession for each team per quarter. The Colts, four field goals in this game, one touchdown. So a lot of field goals, the Chiefs were able to hold that team to field goals. One possession each quarter. The Colts are going to take 10 minutes. The Chiefs are going to take five minutes. The Chiefs score. Say the Chiefs have a better game, score touchdown. The, the, score, the Colts score field goals. You end up with a 28-12 game. The Colts win time of possession 40-20. to 20. That argument doesn't matter. The argument about the Chiefs needs to be how bad the offensive line was. That is the concern if you're Kansas City. If you cannot get that offensive line fixed, this is going to be a long season because you're not going to have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback if, if you can't fix that offensive line because he is running for his life. He's getting his ankle stepped on by his own guys because they're getting shoved back, and it's not like the Colts' defensive line is the defensive line that we talk about as being the best in the NFL. You've got the Bears coming later. Have fun with that if you can't get this offensive line fixed. And it's not just the defensive line for the Colts that played a huge factor in that game. It was the offensive line, too. On offense, they pushed the ball. I know the Chiefs' defense, or run defense specifically, has been very lackluster the last year or so. But they held their own for the most you part. You gave up 19 points. For you the, did your job. That's, uh, no, I'm agreeing with you on that. I'm saying for the most part, though, against the run, they were holding their own. It was just those third and ones, third and two. That's when you saw Quentin Nelson and the rest of this offensive line for the Colts just push the Chiefs back. And Marlon Mack really didn't even have to pick a hole at the beginning of the run because one would open up. He was holding his hand on the back of the lineman for half of a run. And then at the last second, he'd veer off to the right or veer inside. And he'd pick up an extra yard or two, pick up the first down. And they were able to run three more plays on offense, get the drive, continue moving. That's something that's huge as well. You talk to Colts fans, they will admit their best player isn't a skill player. It's Quentin Nelson at guard. That's their best player, and he's going to be the cornerstone of that offense because without him, 
You're getting a lot of people coming into the backfield, but Quentin Nelson's able to control everybody. He's able to pick up blitzes. He can see who's coming in, who's trying to get to Jacoby Brissett. He's saying, hey, you get this guy. I'm going to double up on this guy over here. He's a, he's a captain at the line, and that's something that's important too. We talk about the defensive line. It was both sides of the ball as well, and I agree with what Jacob said is the Chiefs could easily have scored four touchdowns and won that game 28-19, and people wouldn't have even talked about time of possession other than saying, we had less time of possession. That's it's just a funny stat, but like in this kind of a game, it really doesn't mean a whole lot that they were down that many time of possession because they both had the same amount of drives. I don't mean to get in the stats argument, but the time of possession without context, just basing that on a stat that determines who wins a game, to me, is irrelevant. You need the context. The context of this game is the Chiefs had just as many opportunities as the Colts. They didn't get the job done. And if you say the defense played bad, yes, they didn't get off the field, but they did their job. The Chiefs fans, for, for other teams, this probably wasn't a good enough performance. For the Chiefs, it should be. And that's where the concern is because at the beginning of the season, we're sitting here saying, we were sitting here saying if the Chiefs can keep teams under 24 points, they win football games. The defense did that. It wasn't a shootout. They didn't go up and down the field. The Colts played better than the Chiefs. The Chiefs need to go get it figured out. Yes, there, there's injury concerns. But if they can't get it figured out, you're going to see the same thing happen if they meet the Colts in the, the playoffs. The Patriots, they're going to do the same thing because they're going to look at this and go, if they can't get that offensive line figured out, it's going to be – the Chiefs will make the playoffs – they got too many playmakers not to, but when you're playing good teams, if you can't get better at the line of scrimmage, it's, it's going to be a, a long season against good teams. When you talk about good teams, there's a tough task right this week against the Houston Texans. You have J.J. Watt on the other side of the ball. They just dropped a 50 ball on the Atlanta Falcons who can't seem to find the rest of the end zone after the first half. They, they, they win that game 53-32. It's a high-scoring game, but in reality – Deshaun Watson looked like he wasn't ever going to let that game out of his hands. He had 426 yards, five touchdowns. Will Fuller, 217 yards. We'll get more into Will Fuller later. Three touchdowns for him as well. Defensively, they looked sound. The front seven did exactly what the front seven should have done when they had Jadavian Clowney. This is going to be an interesting one if you're the Chiefs offensive line. I think, yes, the, the Chiefs offensive line is going to show up, but I think the key to the game is can the defensive line get pressure on Deshaun Watson? Because if you cannot... The secondary is not going to be able to stop DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, and it's going to be a long afternoon, and it, the, the offense is going to have to have it figured out because they're going to have to score points. This, To me, this is a shootout. The, 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 neither defense is going to be able to stop anybody because Patrick Mahomes is mad. I, I don't want to see. I, I kind of am curious to see what a mad Patrick Mahomes looks like because I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. But it, it's going to be high scoring. And it's gonna again. Yeah, it's gonna come down to the line of scrimmage. Can the offensive line give Mahomes enough time? Can the defensive line for the Chiefs put some pressure on Deshaun Watson? Because if Watson can just kind of run wherever he wants back there, it's gonna be a long day for the secondary. No, I, I completely agree. I think that I'm still picking the Chiefs though, just because I think that the Chiefs have always found a way to get someone that's new, a new fresh face, in to rush the quarterback. You know, Don Terry Poe. You, Chris Jones came out of absolutely nowhere. He was, I think, a third or fourth round draft pick. He sat a year or two behind the rest of the team. He came in. He was able to do exactly what they needed him to do. The Chiefs have found a way to get that next man up mentality on that defensive line. And 
who knows, maybe maybe it's Xavier Williams possibly coming in, trying to, to get something his name. I know he was full practice today. They need someone to do something. I don't care if it's someone we've never heard of. The Chiefs need someone to do something in terms of the, the five guys on the offensive line and the four guys on the defensive line. Completely agree. Someone's got to step up and do something, and I don't think anyone cares if we know your name or not. Get the job done. So Jacob and I just basically took that whole segment. Um, <laughs> anything else, fellas? It's going to be tough. Uh, Houston, I mean, other than the Colts, it's probably the toughest game for the Chiefs. Uh, Houston, like you said, Houston put up a 50 ball on Atlanta. Atlanta's not a bad defense. Like They're not a terrible defense. They're probably like middle of the pack to upper tier. Like They're not terrible. So that just shows you how special Deshaun Watson is and how good this receiving core is for the Tetsons. And also, they don't have a bad running back either. Duke Johnson Jr. is very serviceable. Carlos Hyde, who the Chiefs had, uh, is not bad either. So it's going to be a good game. It's, like Jacob says, it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I have the Chiefs winning, so we'll see. Oh yeah, I do believe this will be a shootout, like we've said. But I, I'm going to give the edge to the Chiefs because it's at home. Plus, Patrick Mahomes, like you said, is going to be mad. And it'll be interesting, but I'm going to go with Chiefs. So Chiefs across the board. Brady also picking the Chiefs. And we're back here on Day-to-Day Picks. Andrew Botwinick, Sam Steinmeier, Jacob Blair, and Derek Campbell. We're going into the Sunday afternoon and the night games for Sunday and then the Monday night game as well. We'll go now to the second one. I think this one's probably the most interesting out of the afternoon games, aside from Monday's game. 49ers at the Rams. I was going to totally come into this game expecting to be able to finally die down the 49ers hype talk, but they looked pretty well against the Browns team that's been struggling. The defensive front seven was able to get to Baker Mayfield a lot a lot more times than I can count. Baker Mayfield looked frustrated. Jared Goff is also a young quarterback. He's probably going to get frustrated. I don't think he's going to throw for nearly as many passing attempts as he did the couple, like last week or the week, or, week before that. Todd Gurley still hasn't emerged back as the as the true running back that he was from a from years past when he was up for MVP. This 49ers team possibly could sneak one out here, and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, Todd Gurley right now, I, I believe I saw someone said his the his activeness in the game is up in the air, so they don't know if he's going to play or not. He's questionable right now on their injury report, and the 49ers defense, they I think are. Proved themselves last week that they are for real one of the better defenses in the NFC. Like Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner on that uh, front line. Like Nick Bosa just at will got to Baker Mayfield, planted the flag like Baker Mayfield did after sacking him. So I thought that was pretty funny, little poetic justice. And you know you, you have Richard Sherman who got a pick off Baker Mayfield last week. Um, still even in his old age, uh, is pretty serviceable. So. I think all that and Matt Breida having a heck of a game. I think that the 49ers are going to go into L.A. and it's going to be a close game, but I think they're going to pull it out. Up until this point, the 49ers have have had an easy schedule. The only game you can point at with the context around it is Cleveland. They, They took care of business there. That was a game I picked Cleveland to win. They didn't look good. The 49ers impressed. Other than that, though, you played a Tampa Bay team who didn't know what they were doing to start the year. Tampa Bay's figured it out a little bit. And you play Cincinnati, who we know are going to be probably in a, in a tank bowl further along when we get to the end of this season. And you've got a, a Pittsburgh team that 
lost Ben Roethlisberger, then you get to Cleveland. The Rams have had a more difficult schedule. They didn't play well against Tampa Bay. You've got a lot of common opponents to look at here. You can look at Cleveland, Tampa Bay. Both teams have played that, that, that those matchups. I mean, the 49ers is – I understand their defense is good, but can they, – they haven't had to play a, a shootout-style game. You're going to get that here. You're going to have to score points against a, a Rams defense that's given up points th- this year. But they're, they're not going to stop – they're not going to shut down the Rams like they did the Browns. I think the Rams are the better team here. I know the 49ers are playing really good right now. But for me, the Rams are the better team. They're going to show that here. The 49ers, they're going to take their first loss of the season. I don't I don't think they take their first loss. I just the Rams defense to me hasn't been playing as they should be. Like they've given up a lot of yards and like They've given up. They've allowed like their average points per game that they've allowed is twenty six, and the Forty ers have proven that they've scored more than that each game. So I feel like the Forty ers will outscore the Rams here. And uh, like, was it you that said Sam that Jared Goff or Andrew that he gets frustrated and he's going to make mistakes? I feel like, and I feel like the Forty ers can pressure Jared Goff to make those mistakes. And when it, and it'll flip back to me because I'm just going to grab the mic. Um, Sam mentioned Matt Breida. You also have Tevin Coleman, Raheem Moistert. This is a rushing offense that really doesn't really need Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to play a very sound game because this is a run-first team. You look at rushing yards per game, San Francisco leads the entire NFL with 200 on the dot ahead of Baltimore, who at the beginning of the season, a lot of people were saying that Lamar Jackson is only a running quarterback. You look at rush defense, L.A. is sitting in the middle of the pack at 15, they're right in the middle of that, giving up 106 per game. Not exactly where you want to be coming into this game. I know they're going to, and that's just numbers saying that, that they're going to probably game plan to stop the run. But San Francisco has been able to find different ways to kind of get that run game going. Kyle Shanahan has been able to get uh, stretch plays, draw plays, uh, off a of tackle. He's been able to get it every single side, left, right, up the middle. They've been able to have different types of runs I'm picking the 49ers in this one, and I think this one's going to be a close one. But the 49ers really have impressed me with how they played, and I know they haven't played anybody up until Cleveland just last week. But L.A. really hasn't impressed me, and I, there's a reason why I picked them to not make the playoffs this year. They, they have they have work to do, and I think they get it figured out here. You're, you're at home, which we've seen L.A. kind of grasp the Rams a little bit more now that they – went to a Super Bowl, so that, that that's kind of their team. It's, it's true home games for the Rams. It, it's going to be a – the 49ers are a good enough team, and they're showing that, that it's going to be a game. It's not like the Rams are going to run away with this. Oh, yeah. I just think that you, you've got a, a Rams team that's – yes, they're not playing well, but this team can. They've done that this year. They're, they're, they're up and down right now. We'll see where they they end up, but I think for me the Rams play well and the Forty ers I think the Forty ers ceiling is not as high as the Rams ceiling, and that's kind of where my pick is leaning. Is if the Rams play their best game, the Forty ers play their best game. The edge goes to the Rams. The Forty ers have been playing better than the Rams. Rams are going to get it figured out and win this one. I don't argue with that. I I agree that the Rams are the better team in this matchup. I just think the way they've been playing. 
the 49ers look to be progressing a lot further. There's a lot of mi- there's a lot more positives with the 49ers than where the Rams are sitting right now after their loss to Seattle. So I'm picking the 49ers. Sam, are you picking? I am on the 49ers as well. It's 49ers. Jacob's got the Rams, and then Derek 49ers. Regan, 49ers as well. Brady is going to pick the Rams as well. So Jacob, you're not alone on that one. We'll go now. Last game, Monday Night Football: Lions at Packers. I actually think this is going to be a good game, an interdivisional team uh, matchup. Lions could potentially make their case for being one of the the better teams in the NFC, but they'll have to get through the Packers at Lambeau to get it done. So tomorrow on Weekend Sports Kickoff, we're going to power rank the top five teams in both conferences. Spoiler alert, since I won't be there, Packers are my number one team in the NFC. Lions are not. Packers win. Interesting. I think this is going to be a good game. Closer than what Jacob might have just said. I don't think it's going to be all Packers. The Packers definitely are the better team. Aaron Jones have just been – he ran all over my Cowboys, which I did not see that coming. Um but Devonta Adams, uh, don't know if he's going to be back. He's still listed as questionable. But even with that, even with Devonta Adams out, I still think the Packers' defense is good enough to beat the Lions. So to, to actually give some analysis into this game, uh, Aaron Rodgers, what are the two things he, he's really missed for a lot of years? A good defense a and coach. a running game. And a coach. <laughs> and a coach. He's got all three now. The, the, an Aaron Rodgers-led team with a solid running game, a competent defense, and a good coach is a scary Packers team. The Lions aren't in the, They'll keep it somewhat of a game where it'll be an interesting Monday Night Football game, but I think the Packers' two possessions, by the end of it, they win. Just to pose a question to you, Jacob, do you, do you by chance know the last time the Packers beat the Lions at home? Or in general? By the... the the fact that you're asking means that it's a long time ago. 2016 was the last time the Packers well, beat the Lions anywhere. They will Monday. That'll change. <laughs> no, I, I agree. The trend the trend is changing. <laughs> I agree. The Lions are are a better team than they have been historically the last couple the last decade even. But the Packers are starting to find some momentum. They as as we've mentioned the run game's looking good. The big thing for me is the defense. The defense looks phenomenal. They look like they're actually playing 11 on 11 football and not 11 on 9 11 on 8 so that's something that that's good i think the packers as i'll say to tomorrow they are a top 10 or top five team in the nfc for me they're not my number one hint hint so i'm not going to say who it is because you'll have to watch the show tomorrow (laughs) but there is a team that, that i think is a little bit of an edge to the packers packers still win this game on monday for me um, I like the Packers, but I wouldn't be surprised seeing the Lions uh, in a wild card spot later on, though, possibly, because they're still a good team. They they put up the the points to compete with, like, shootout offenses like the Chiefs like they when they played them. And I feel like this is going to be a shootout because you got Matt Stafford who slings the ball, and Aaron Rodgers is known for throwing the ball pretty good, too. So, But I just feel like the Packers got the edge in this one. The big thing for, for them getting a wild card is the division that they're yeah. kind of been gifted to. You have the Packers, you have the Vikings, you have the Bears, and then you have the Lions. Yeah. Someone has to lose that division because not all of those teams can make the playoffs. That's oh. that's the only sad thing about that division. So I think we're all in agreement. Packers across the board here. Brady also agrees the Packers. We're going to start a new segment, Who's That Player?, Here's your prompt. Go ahead and tweet us after uh, for your chance to get a shout-out on next week's show. 
Cairo Santos this week went 0 for 4, I guess last week, against the Bills. Uh, who was the last kicker to go 0 for 4 against the Bills? So once again, go ahead and tweet us at underscore or un, at x106 underscore sports for a chance to get a shout-out on next week's show. For Andrew Botwinick, Sam Steinmeier, Jacob Blair, as well as Derek Campbell, that's going to do it for us for Day-to-Day Picks. 